Did you ever think you would make it? I feel I'm so close, I could take sweet victory. I know this life meant for me. Yeah, why would you bet on Goliath when we got bet David? Value taming, giving values contagious. This world of entrepreneurs, we get no value to haters. How they run, homie, look what I become. I'm the, I'm the one. We we got the one and only Jimmy Dore in the house. If you don't know, American stand-up comedian, big YouTuber, podcast, very popular. Everybody's talking about it. I can't tell you how many people have said, when are we getting Jimmy on the podcast? We finally did, Jimmy. Thank you so much for coming out. It's great to have you on. It's my pleasure. Thanks for having me. Yes, and we learned today you like sushi. You like good sushi. (laughs) Good sushi. Good sushi. Yeah. Yeah. And this one sushi in Studio City, if you say anything to the guy... he kick you out. he kick you out. (laughs) It even says on the menu, if you read the back of the menu, it says, hey, we don't do... Uh, California rolls. We don't serve spicy mayo. We don't do this. We don't do that. We serve fish here, and you're going to like it. And, and, and the name of it? Uh, it's Kazu, K-A-Z-U. Yeah, so that's the place that Armand would talk about, mm. Rafi's place. He would yeah. take me. I'm like, what? he says, just go. Let them do their thing. Whatever they bring, yeah. just enjoy yeah. the food, right? Yeah. Well, what was impressive is that you and George Clooney dine together all the time. That's like yeah, your like BF that's your And Shatner. So yeah. it's, it's, How did that but, happen? Anyways, so do you want me to tell you a story? I'll tell yeah, that story. Go for so it. my friend uh, Steve O was a big, um, not the Steve O. Steve O from Jackass. You can't just drop a Steve O and no, it's not a to go right there. Different one. Right? Different, different Steve-O. Korean friend of mine, and he was a big sushi guy, and I wanted to get into sushi. I liked mm. it, and so he said the best place is this place by his house in Studio City. Yeah. And so he said uh, he goes, don't get freaked out, people. There's it's not going to be a lot of people in there. He said, but. The people who are in there, they know. And George Clooney will be there probably. And I'm like, get out of here. <laughs> so I, I walk in. It's Friday night at 8 o'clock. I walk in, and my friend is sitting at the sushi bar. He's the only one. There's no one else in there. 8 o'clock on a Friday. I'm like, this place can't be good. So I sit down, and there's five people at a table. The only other people are five people in this table. And one of them's George Clooney. That's so crazy. I was like, about. get out of here. So then uh, we eat. And then so I go to the bathroom. And as I come out of the bathroom, George Clooney is like bowing to him, right? <laughs> He's like saying thank you. Cultural so, appropriation. Yeah. So I do I've that. ever seen one. I do that now to him when I leave. <laughs> So when I how come it, in, we bow to each other. When I leave, we bow to each other. So I and he's like doing that, and he's like saying something to him. So I like stop because I don't want to walk in between them. Yeah. And I just like I thought it'd be over real quick, but it. They kept talking, and I'm now it looks now I look like an ass swipe. I'm standing there <laughs> just because he's George Clooney. If it was anybody else, I would have just walked right through. No. So I'm like, you can't, you got to walk through now. You can't just stand there. You look like an idiot. So as I start to walk through, and then I ducked my head. I don't know why. <laughs> <laughs> but you, you know what's crazy? If I can add to that, you know, George Clooney tells the exact same story. He's like, I go to this place, <laughs> and, this fuck- and the <laughs> only person there is this guy Jimmy Dore. I yeah. bow to him. The Love whole deal. Him. Here's a crazy, even crazier than that. So about a week ago, maybe two, I go, uh, my wife saved the Boston Legal is on Hulu now. And so that's my all-time favorite show is Boston Legal. I never liked any of those people in, in acting until they were on that show. And I love them, right? Especially William Shatner. Yeah. And so I'm sitting there, again, just me and my friend Rick Overton having sushi, only people in the place. In walks William Shatner by himself, sits down at the sushi. So my wife had saved this, this episode, and it was about how him and... Um, his name is Denny Crane on the show, and Alan Shore is uh, the other guy. I can't think of his real name, but um, they're having they have these conversations at the end of every episode where they smoke a cigar and they have a scotch and they have these heart to hearts. And so they were talking about. He said, you know, the one guy said, my father never approved of me, and he said, there's something 
There's there's something there's nothing more horrible than a father's not approving of his son. And then Denny Crane, William Shatner, uh, says, "Oh, my father always approved of me, right?" But we know as an audience that his father disowned him, oh, right? Yeah. Hmm. So then he finally just snaps and goes, "My father disowned me." And Alan Shore looks look at him and says, "Denny, I'm proud of you." And he says, "What are you proud of?" And he says. I just am. I always am proud of you. Oh, wow. And my wife saw that, and she knew I would want to see it because it really was emotional for me. And uh, I couldn't. It was really a big deal for me. And so then I'm sitting there the next day. William Shatner walks in, sits there, and I'm just like, what the hell is Crazy. going on? Who said? Yeah. And so uh, so that was a big deal. And we talked, and he told me he got... <laughs> So he every time he would eat a piece of fish, he would look at me. And goes, "This is amazing," and I go, "Yeah, this is the best. This is the best but, fish." So and, how, how was the California roll, though? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. yeah, and did Bill Shatner say he's proud of you? Yeah, and by the way, it's kind of like, uh, and and that's our sponsor today is uh, yes. uh, the sushi spot <laughs> in Studio City. It can't get a better sponsorship yeah. than this. FYI, why did you like the clip? Because your your dad was a cop, right? Did you have a good relationship with them? N- no, my dad had two emotions: angry and not angry yet. <laughs> God. <laughs> and yeah. uh, he I was empathize. he was what they called my dad I come from a long line of alcoholics my dad wasn't a drinker he he was with uh, he's what they call a dry drunk right so he still had all the anger and rage of an alcoholic but we never got to enjoy any of the fun drunk times yeah. and yeah so, he, yeah, so um, <laughs> but um you know my dad worked two and three jobs his whole life he put us to catholic school and so he he was a good father in lots of ways you know but you know he's just emotionally like most men you know he wasn't available and he wasn't really approving, you know, very much. I remember when the first time he saw me do stand-up was in uh, Las Vegas. And I was at the MGM Grand. And it was a beautiful room. And I had a great show. And afterwards, I go, Dad. And they weren't, my parents weren't saying anything. And my, we're standing outside the bathroom waiting for my little sister to get out of the bathroom. My parents weren't saying anything. And I go, Mom, what would you think of the show? She goes, what did you think? I go, I thought it went good. She goes, then it went good. Let's eat. Oh, that's hilarious. And I was like, holy shit. So then later that night, <laughs> later that night, I say to my dad, I go, dad, what did you think of the show? He goes, the language. <laughs> you don't even use it right. And I was just Jesus like. Jesus Christ. I didn't know. I was just like, so that was, yeah. So it was crushing in a way, right? And then uh, I had to forbid my parents from coming to my comedy That's right. Shows. That's the last time you ever yeah. come. Yeah. But was that was that due? Was your comedy due to the life that was very intense? Was it your way of coping with stuff, or no? You were yeah. just funny always. I think it was. Yeah, I was the youngest. So I come from t- twelve kids, right? So my it's a long story, but I was the youngest boy. And then when I was in school, my mom got lonely because all her kids are at school all day. So she went and adopted two more kids. I'm not kidding. Hold on, did you say 12 kids? So we had 10 kids, and then my mom adopted two more. What a good yeah, one. A baker's so, dozen family going on yeah. over there. It worked out. I had one older brother. I was, wow. I wasn't thrilled that she adopted someone older than me I could kick my ass, and because I had enough of that already, right? I was the, you were the youngest? Yeah, but then I got oh. a little sister out, which she adopted a little sister. So that was fun. I That's got cool. to have a little yeah. sister. You got to beat her up a little bit. Yeah, yeah. a little bit. Nah. Way, to go. Way to go, Jim. And then she has triplets, which are great. So anyway, it's, 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 um, so growing up, I did talk about in my stand-up, I know my parents didn't like because I talked about getting hit as a kid, right? And yeah, my, they don't like that. I, they didn't like they uh-huh. didn't like hearing that. But I did. We my parents uh, they saw hit us for discipline, which and now as a grown-up, it's always well. What I say in my act is it's always horrible when someone hits their kid in front of me. I never know when you're supposed to step in. You know, yeah, yeah. one time I was in an airline terminal. <laughs> this lady's hitting her kid. He's like five years old. She's wailing on him. And finally, I go, hey, why don't you cut it out? You're creeping everybody out. <laughs> And she goes, no, you got to hit them, make some good people. 
Oh, wow. And I was like, wow, how many punches would it take to make you a decent human? <laughs> <laughs> Turns out 80. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah, teach her a lesson, John. Yeah. Teach her a uh, lesson. She's really nice now. By the yeah. way, just, just because we've been talking about this a lot, have you ever seen a movie, The Judge? Because if father, son, you've never seen a movie, The Judge. Oh, you got you're killing me. What is now this? You got a homework movie? assignment, Jimmy. You God, just got way, yourself you, a homework assignment. If you assignment. like that scene, from the movie you were talking about, you're going to love the judge. Yeah, That's all I would say. Uh, uh, Robert, Robert Downey Jr. Yeah, and Duvall. Um, uh, yeah, look, if you, yeah, like, if you like com- like a you. complicated father-son relationship, yeah. Yeah. this is the ultimate book for it, uh, movie for it. Remember, mm-hmm. remember The Great Santini? You ever see that yeah. movie? No. What's ah! Brian so I, that's the one I got to watch. Brian Callen told you to watch that so you could cry. Yeah. So yeah, that's, that's the one I got to do. What was that all about? That's father-son. Father-son. Yeah. Uh, man, the guy, it, they play basketball again. It's um. Oh, it's also Duvall. Yes, Duvall's it's a young Duvall. Young. Yes. Oh, okay. Oh, yeah. Cool. I gotta check it out. Brian Callen, that's nineteen seventy nine. That's young. the first one he said yes when you said. Year the after you Callen. and I were born. Yep. Yeah. It's yeah, five years before you were born. That's true. Some, I'm still turning forty. There's yeah. some pretty heavy I scenes in that. So, J- okay. so Jimmy, so comedy politics. Okay, comedy politics. Uh, uh, when I sit there and I watch George Carlin, I'm fascinated by the guy. How he would sit there and, you know, take complicated and he just poke everybody, troll, make you feel uncomfortable, laugh and think all at the same time, right? A few guys can do it. Some don't want to touch it. Some don't want to get close to it because, like, look, I do anything but politics. I don't want to touch it because of all this stuff. What's the risk of a comedian talking politics? Well, you could lose your audience. I was told not to talk about politics, right? So when um, after the Iraq War, um, I started to turn more political in my comedy. And Which year? The first one or the second one? Second one. Okay, gotcha. This is 04, not, not uh, yes, yes. 89, 91. So, and then I got asked to do a, a, a show at the UCB Theater opened up and uh, in Los Angeles, and they asked me if I wanted to do a show, so I didn't know what to do besides stand-up, right? So I, I, was, I had hurt my back, and I was watching a lot of news, and I was just like, well, I'll just use video clips and talk about how crazy the news is and how bad it is because the news is horrible, right? And so that's when I started to become more political, and everybody told my manager, my everybody, the club owners, they go, don't talk politics. Jimmy, don't talk politics. You don't want to split your audience, right? Well, I didn't listen to him, and I just kept doing it anyway, and I got an hour special out of it in 2008. It was called Citizen Jimmy, and it was chosen best of the year by iTunes and Punchline Sick. Magazine, so I proved all those motherfuckers wrong. Good. <laughs> there you go. And, uh, and then, it went on. then I got hired by the Young Turks because they saw my special, and they were looking for a fill-in host, and uh, so then I, I worked there for about 10 years, and that's all politics. Right? You were with Young Turks for oh, 10 wow. years? Yeah, about 10 years. Oh, and what, you were there when Ruben was also there, I'm assuming. Yeah, yeah, that's how I met Dave Ruben. Got it. It. And yeah. what, what did you do with Young Turks? Was it with Jenk and those guys, or yeah. was it your own and show? The- no, I was always on the main show a lot, and uh, ex- except after Trump got elected, they stopped having me on, and um, because uh, they all became, you know, Trump deranged, yeah. and uh, I kept telling them, you, you can't have four Hillary voters on a news panel and call yourself an alternative news show. You're not alternative to anything. Mm. You're MSNBC, and. So um, anyway, so the, I had my own show, but they put it behind a paywall. And after anyway, so I left after they kept getting Trump deranged. And uh, after the Mueller report came out, I thought everybody would go back to normal because the Mueller report said there's no collusion. And it was all revealed. This was a big psyop by the goddamn CIA and Democratic Party and all blah, 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 blah. And uh, they didn't. They didn't stop. And they just jumped on another horse and kept going. And I was just like, I got to get out of here. So I left. And then... Uh, 
it it all went to shit because their executive producer, when I did force the vote, I don't know if you guys ever heard about that. So when the uh, the squad got elected, AOC and those people, mm-hmm. they all got elected, and we're gonna oppose the establishment of the Democratic Party. We're gonna oppose Nancy Pelosi. We're gonna pull. We're gonna be the progressives, mm-hmm. you know. And and so I was like, okay, so they won, and then it was such a small margin that the Democrats held, just like now with the Republicans. And so to vote for the Speaker, just like they just did this time for McCarthy, I, we wanted them to withhold their vote to extract something. Mm-hmm. And what we wanted in the middle of a deadly pandemic, as they said, uh, well, we want to vote on Medicare for all because everybody on the quote-unquote left had agreed for over a generation that getting a vote on Medicare for all on the House floor was a big deal and we should achieve it even in the dsa the democratic socialists of america in their handbook in 2019 it said the biggest thing we could do is get a vote on medicare for all and so i i came up with the idea hey it's like eight votes or something it was very low and i said so if you withhold your vote for nancy pelosi as speaker she can't become speaker and what you should demand is a, a vote for medicare for all because AOC had said that as she was campaigning. She said, we can't even get a vote for Medicare for all on the House floor. We can't even get a vote. That's horrible. And then she said the Democratic Party is a conservative party. It's a center-right party. Those were words that's verbatim from AOC. So we're like, okay, so now we're going to oppose. We're going to bring the Democratic Party back to the left. We have leverage, just like the the Republicans just had with McCarthy. Matt Gates and those guys. They had leverage, and they right. got a lot of stuff, yeah, they man. they did. Good. And they, yeah, I mean, they brought McCarthy to his knees. Fifteen, yeah, that's insane. Right? Yeah. And so then, and so what we wanted them to do that, they wouldn't do it. And they kept making up all these excuses why they wouldn't do it. Now's not the time. This, and then they got a lot of people in the media, like the Young Turks, to bullshit for them. And uh, guys like Ryan Grimm at the Intercept, and they would they would ran interference and tried to muddy the waters. It's a very simple morality play, and they try to make it complicated, like it was hard to do. And and so uh, we were vindicated because Matt Getz and the right wing just did the exact same thing to McCarthy, and people were lying, by the way. So when I said they should do, that, they would go, "No, if we do that, Kevin McCarthy will come become Speaker," which is a lie. They, they can't happen. And we should, Kevin McCarthy couldn't become Speaker when the Republicans had the goddamn house. So that was a big deal that was forced to vote and um it, i've been vindicated i mean the people who supported it lots of people supported it. it wasn't just me it was guys like cornell west guys like chris hedges bernie sanders former press secretary Brianna joy gray medea benjamin there's a marianne williamson there's a lot of people that were on board for this and i would say about half the people who were bernie sanders supporters maybe all of them uh, they didn't do it. They got exposed, and now uh, they're just go-along play-alongs, and there's no reason to vote for Democrats at all. Today? Today. You believe that? Yes. I tell people that if you have any morality, you will not vote for one of these two pro-war, anti-worker parties. You will vote for a third party. And people say, well, Jimmy, if you do, you know, third parties are not viable. At, so what they're really saying is you can't vote for a third party until a lot of people are already voting for a third party. Well, how do you get started? You have to start voting for a third party. And that's my and so we got to stop donating to them. We have to take you know, there's only one party in America with very, very little differences. You know that, right? Your point is what? With the people who are behind it, with the money that they're giving, so they have to kind of please the same people. And how years ago, you know, Obama and Clinton's, you know, were bought by Wall Street and then on the right. Is that kind of. Okay. Yeah. You got it. Yeah. You got it. Yeah. Uh, In 2020, did you. Let's do this. Let's do this. So I want to go into these topics. I want to talk to you about uh, Trump, the comments you made. If the Trump, uh, uh, you know, 
the the folks who had a hard time dealing with Trump, are they over it? Are people ready for him to come back? Is it DeSantis? Is it a Tulsi Gabbard? I know you're a big Tulsi fan. And then I want to also talk about some other issues that's going on with Bernie. Bernie commented something on teachers, minimum wage going to $60,000 for teachers. I have some thoughts on that. I want to react to a video I saw about John Kirby being pushed on questions. I don't know if you saw this or not. I think you'll appreciate this. He's being he's being challenged pretty hardcore on NATO and what NATO's doing and the response there. But before we do that, I want to go to our sushi sponsor today. <laughs> Actually, our sponsor today is Gold Co. Okay. So shout out to Gold Co. You, you guys know I've been talking about finances and money and investments for many years. And I've been talking about gold for, I don't know, six, seven, eight years. And I've been buying gold for many years and not because it's 10% portfolio, 5% portfolio. It's 1% or 2% portfolio where I recommend people hedging against what could potentially happen. Specifically now, you saw what happened with inflation. The numbers came up, uh, what, two days ago, 6.4%. It's up a half a percent. They were not expecting this to be the case. This means Powell still has to keep increasing interest rates, whether it's going to be a quarter of a basis point or a half or maybe even a three-quarters of a basis point. The next chance he gets, last year they raised the rates seven times. We've already raised it once this year. So if you are somebody who is looking at investing into gold, I highly recommend you look into Gold Co., uh, we've called around. We did our own research before we decided who to go with. Guys who used to work with this company are very good friends of mine who haven't been with them, but they speak very highly about the integrity of the company, Gold Co. So if you do want to take advantage of a value, Tim of yours could get up to $10,000 in free silver and a free one-ounce silver Ronald Reagan coin with a qualified order. Call them today, 855-594-2758. Once again, 855-594-2758 or go to goldco.com forward slash PBD. Okay, so let's get right into it. Trump, you talked about Trump earlier and how you were working at Young Turks and how the fact that they had four people who were pro-Hillary, similar to what MSNBC was, there's nothing different about you and what their slogan was, that's not where you are, alternative you know, media. Right. And their challenge was 26 and they won't bring, bring you a lot because of Trump. Do you think America is still dealing with that or do you think Trump has an opening to make a comeback or is everybody kind of saying if anybody from the opposite side does become a president, it's got to be anyone but Trump, which means DeSantis is who we're okay with? Yeah, I mean, I'm not good at predicting stuff like that. But I do th- I do feel like that a lot of the Republicans that did support Trump are kind of ready to move on. That's my sense. I could be wrong. Who knows? When Maybe he goes out and gives a couple of speeches and people get riled up again and, they, and it all happens again. Um, but people saw him as a as anti-establishment, and he's a billionaire, which is kind of wild. And but you know, people. The reason why I try to tell people why do you why do you think the establishment hated Trump so much? It's because they they couldn't control him as much as they could control other people. And he was uh, compared to Joe Biden and Barack Obama. He was an anti-interventionist compared to those guys, right? And um, he he did campaign on uh, ending the wars and stuff like that. And he he wasn't uh, uh, as bad as what's going on right now. What's going on right now is what we were told Trump was going to do. Yeah. Saber rattle with nuclear powers and he's a madman and he can't have his finger. Well, that's what they're doing right now, right? And so... In 2016, when they cheated Bernie Sanders is when I, I stopped being a Democrat. And then Bernie Sanders didn't make them pay a price for it. He didn't make them reform. He didn't make them stop cheating progressives. He didn't make them stop taking corporate money. He didn't use his leverage one bit. He didn't ask his followers to get in the streets and to protest or do anything. And he never will. Yeah. Because Bernie Sanders 
uh, although he espouses all the right things, uh, doesn't have a backbone or a spine, and he's there. Uh, it's kind of obvious now. If you if you're not look, he's there to make sure all the revolutionary energy and the progressive energy that is on the left gets funneled back into a pro-war, anti-worker, pro-Wall Street party, and that's all he's doing. It's there's a politician who I'm fond of Shama Sawant in Seattle, and she says that the road for progressives inside the Democratic Party leads to a graveyard, and it's exactly right. I mean, Joe Biden campaigned on $15 minimum wage. He didn't, he's not doing it. He campaigned on giving people health care through the public option. They're not, they don't even bring up health care. They don't do anything. In the, middle, in the middle of a deadly pandemic, this country is so corrupted, they won't give people health care in the middle of a pandemic, but they will sell a, to send $100 billion to the most corrupt country in Europe, Ukraine, and without any oversight to how that money's being spent or where those weapons are. I would I say when I go on stage in Los Angeles, I go, I don't care if they send $100 billion to Ukraine. I just wish they'd send $100 billion to the United States. Mm-hmm. How about we send a couple billion dollars to L.A., Miami, New York, Philadelphia, Minnesota, and then we can maybe fix homelessness because $100 billion could end That's homelessness about Easy. five. It's unbelievable. People yeah. have no idea how much $100 billion is or the fact that you know they said Trump was a madman and they increased his military budget $132 billion while he was president. Well, if he's a madman, why are you giving him more money to go do warrants? It's not about him being a madman. It's about the military-industrial complex as a stranglehold on our government, and that's exactly what's happening. I want you to watch this. Everybody in the progressive, every one of the squad, they voted for that war in Ukraine. And the only people standing up against it are the people on the right. So things are flipped now. Very weird, very weird. And by the way, if there's one thing that's been constant about Trump, he's been anti-war for a long time. Didn't he buy like a two-page center, you know, uh, ad on USA Today or New York Times it was to talk about Bush's war and how, you know, uh, uh, you know, how they were so upset. How could you do it? You're a Republican. No, he's a Democrat. No, he's a this. What's happening today, which is kind of weird, is the following. I want to get your thoughts on this, and then I want you to watch this, what John Kirby just went through, is I wonder if Democrats are kind of sitting there saying, dude, I don't, I don't know if I'm a Democrat. Like I don't like I am a Democrat. I'm a registered Democrat. I've always voted Democrat, but dude, I'm not for that, and I'm not for this, and I'm not for that. Where you know the Republican Party for a lot of people is like I will never be a Republican. Are you kidding me to associate with these warmonger all these? And then you're like, so who do I vote for today? So you're talking independent, libertarian. Then the conversation comes about who can actually win today, who can get the job done today, who do I trust today. The more and more you're listening to different people's views, I wonder if the voters kind of confuse saying, dude, I don't know what to do. What do I do next? The only difference between a Democrat and a Republican, as Ralph Nader said, is the speed at which their knee hits the floor when a donor walks in the room. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> and so it doesn't matter who's president. Barack Obama was not a departure from George Bush. He was a continuation of George Bush. He took us from two wars to seven wars. He kicked 5.1 million families out of their homes while he made sure the bankers didn't miss their bonuses. He deported twice as many Hispanics as D- D- Donald Trump. He, uh, he built those cages that put those people in. He dropped 26,000 bombs and they, the Air Force ran out of bombs. That's a fact. They ran out of bombs. He dropped so many bombs. He did a drone war, a drone program that killed 90% innocent people. You know, if somebody walks into a mall mm. and shoots 15 people down with this gun, that's the biggest thing. Oh, my God. 
Barack Obama was doing that on a daily basis, killing women and children yeah. with his drone war. And, and he got a Nobel Peace Prize. He got a Nobel Peace Prize. He didn't even do anything. That's how And so it's a it's a uniparty. It's the and so when Trump got in office and he mentioned that there's a deep state, they're like, you can't say that. What are you doing? And when he said, hey, when they asked him, why are you leaving your troops in Syria? And he said, for the oil. They're like, you get my He goes, no, it's for the oil. No, it's for liberty. It's for helping the people. Yeah. No, it's for the oil. It's our oil. <laughs> and so he let the cat out of the bag and they can't have that. That's what he blew the whistle on what's actually going on. Our wars are for oil. Our wars are economic wars, just like what's happening in Ukraine. This is an economic war. We're trying to put a hurt and isolate Russia. We're afraid of Russia and their natural resources and their manpower coming together with Germany with their technology and their capital. And we've been saying that for decades. And so that's why we blew up the Nord Stream pipeline. And that's why this Ukraine war is happening. Uh, and people have no idea what's happening. And what's worse is they have no idea that they have no idea what's happening. Yeah, exactly. That's the crazy part. Can you play this clip? It's so interesting. When you watch this, the guy that's asking the questions is so calm and poised, and he gets rattled. Watch this. To look at this and say the reason that the Russian army is on NATO, uh, the, the Russian army is at NATO's doorstep is because NATO has expanded rather than the, the Russians expanding. That, in other words, NATO has moved closer to Russia rather than Russia moving closer to NATO. Is that not an accurate way to look at this? I think that's the way President Putin probably looks at it. It's certainly not the way that we look at it. You don't, you don't think that NATO has expanded eastward toward Russia? NATO has expanded, okay. and, and the expansion so the has reason, been a good thing for... So the reason that the Russian army is at NATO's doorstep is not the fault of the Russian army, not the... It's not the Russian army that's done it. It's NATO has moved closer to move east. I'm pretty east. sure it wasn't NATO who was ordering, you know, upwards of 15 battalion tactical groups to within 10 kilometers of the border with Ukraine. And I'm pretty sure it wasn't NATO who put little green men inside Ukraine to destabilize okay. eastern well, I'm states. I'm pretty sure that Ukraine is not a member of NATO. So unless <laughs> that's changed. It's not, it's not okay. changed. But I'm so, pretty sure the movement by Russia is NATO, has, If NATO has moved east... The reason that the Russian army is closer or on NATO's doorstep is because NATO moved. Not NATO is not an, an anti-Russia alliance. NATO is a security Watch this. alliance. Watch this. For 50 years, it was an anti-Soviet alliance. So do you not understand it? So do you not understand how? Or can you not even see how the Russians would perceive it as a, as a threat? And the fact that it keeps getting closer to their border while their troops. I mean, the, the places where their troops are, you say their troops are, and may, may have been in Ukraine and Georgia, are not NATO members. I don't have, I'm not going to pretend to know what goes in President Putin's mind or Russian military commanders. I mean, okay. I barely got a history degree at the University of South Florida. Right. What, I can tell you, what I can tell you is that, is that uh, NATO is a defensive alliance. It remains a defensive alliance. Fair enough, but it has moved east. Correct? I mean, that's just a it fact. It has expanded, absolutely. Right, exactly. But and there's so the no reason, reason for anybody to think the expansion is a hostile, a threatening <laughs> move. And we've been saying that throughout the last 15 years, man. You're moving closer to Russia. You're blaming the Russians for being close to NATO. No, no, no. no. Yeah, yeah. That's, that's exactly what Hegel said. We're blaming the Russians for violating the territorial integrity of Ukraine and destabilizing okay. the security Which situation. Which is not a NATO member. Which is not a NATO member. I see to Other countries feel threatened. Yeah. Nothing there makes me go. happier than when you actually see a really good reporter yeah. that has the balls to do stuff like that and is in silence because they're scared about losing their job. That's a, I love things like that. By the way, that's a guy named Matt Lee, that journalist. Good, guy good named Matt you. Lee. What are your thoughts when you see that? 
Well, it's obvious that uh, they don't want you to know the real history. They don't want you to know that when Germany was allowed to reunify, the promise from NATO to Russia was that we won't expand NATO. And then, of course, it did. I think there's 13, 13 or something more countries that they put into NATO. And now they wanted to put Ukraine into NATO or threaten to do that. That would be like if Russia got into a military alliance with Mexico and they wanted to start putting military bases in Mexico. We wouldn't allow that. We wouldn't allow it. And just like what happened in Cuba with the missile crisis in the 60s, we wouldn't allow stuff like that. But we're doing that. And people don't they don't want you to know that this NATO is not a defensive. It is offensive. This is a this is a war that was started and provoked by NATO and the West. Zelensky ran on peace. He brought on bringing the country back together. Right. The Russian speakers in the east, the Donbass. But he didn't do it. So why? Because he got threatened by NATO and the ultra right, the Nazis in uh, Ukraine. And so they threatened to kill. He knows he's a dead man if he does a peace deal with uh, Russia. So that's why he won't. And when they had a peace deal in March. And uh, that's when Boris Johnson from the UK flew there and said, hey, you better you don't do this. And he he killed the peace deal. So Russia is the one that wants peace in this deal. And Ukraine and NATO do not. They want to bleed Russia economically. And that's why they blew up the Nord Stream 2 pipeline. And they allegedly. Yeah, they've always said they were going to do it and they did it. Uh, And I don't what for the life of me, I can't get why the European nations are going along with this. Uh, They've said stuff like uh, there there was the foreign minister of Germany said, I don't care about my people if they don't want this. I care about the people of Ukraine. What what leader of a country says they don't care about their own people, but they care more about somebody else's country. It's crazy what's going on. So people don't realize that NATO has provoked this. In fact, there was a peace agreement in 2014. The CIA helped overthrow the Ukraine government. And and then uh, the people in the Donbass didn't want to go along with this coup government, right? Because the leader of Ukraine wanted to be friendlier economically with Russia instead of join like the European Union. And that they couldn't have that, right? So that's why they did a coup. And the people, the Russian speakers in the Donbass didn't want to go along with that coup. And so they kind of wanted to break away. Ukraine government started shelling the Donbass, and so they had a peace agreement called the Minsk Agreement, and that was supposed to give them independence. They were supposed to have their own elections, and they were going to stop shelling them. They never did. They ended up killing like fourteen or 15,000 people in the Donbass over the last eight years, and now it's been revealed that that peace agreement was never real. The uh, uh, Merkel, the uh, former uh, prime minister of Germany, just admitted that the only reason they did that peace agreement was to give Ukraine enough time to build up its military so when they finally did provoke an invasion, which is what they did, that they would have a military ready to fight uh, Russia. And so people don't know this is what happened. Mm -hmm. And so they just think that one day Putin woke up and said, I want to go invade Ukraine because I'm a maniac. And they think that he's the bad guy. They think that he's he's acting rationally. He's acting. We always knew he would do this. In fact, we were counting on him doing this. That's why we did what we did. And they don't know that Ukraine ramped up their bombing right before the war started last year. They doubled their bombing. They were really trying to provoke and they did. And they got mm-hmm. they provoked it. And the Russia would rather have a peace agreement. Uh, at the rest of the world would rather have a peace agreement. Not NATO, not Joe Biden, not the military industrial complex. And so that's where we are. Uh, and people don't know that. And that's what that is. That guy's saying, mm-hmm. hey, NATO's the ones expanding. The reason why uh, he, he said it, the reason why that NATO's army is on the doorstep of Russia is because we moved, not Russia. And it's just obvious that we're the bad guys. The United States are the world's terrorists. We have a thousand military, but you know, we have 400 military bases around 
surrounding China since the Korean War. We just added three new military bases in the Philippines they just announced two weeks ago. This is how all empires end. We're ending, we're overextending militarily while we have people living under every bridge. People don't have health care, a living wage. Half the country can't afford a $500 emergency. 80% of workers live paycheck to paycheck. 50% of wage earners earn $30,000 or less. People go bankrupt when they get sick in this country. We have homeless people everywhere, and that's because our government is 100% corrupted. It's the people think that it's corrupted like, oh, Joe Biden gave his kid a no-show job on a Ukraine energy board, or Donald Trump gave his kid a deal with the South. No, 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 that's regular corruption. I'm talking about 100%. Everything the government does, it only does it because of corruption, and that's the only way the wheels get greased is through corruption. That's why we can send $100 billion to Ukraine without any oversight, and we still won't send it to our own cities to fix our homelessness or our bridges that those homeless people are living under we won't even fix our own goddamn country so people don't realize that this is pretty much a banana republic we're we're at the end this is the end of this mm-hmm. empire uh we're basically brazil with a couple of big cities that are, are keeping it afloat uh you, th- you think so yeah you believe that yes yeah well when when, when half the country can't afford a 500 dollars <laughs> this is what i like to say what do you call a system that takes the richest country the face of the earth has ever seen and renders half of its population poor or low income you call that a failed system and that's what we're living in and people think we're going to be able to vote our way out of this what we have to do is get people in the streets so when someone like aoc has 13 million twitter followers and bernie sanders says they're supposed to tell people to get in the streets shut stuff down protest and take our government back but they won't because they're part of the system and that's what i'm trying to wake people up it's worse off having people like bernie sanders and aoc in the democratic party in government even though bernie claims he's an independent he's a democrat and why is it worse because because it gives people the false impression that there's somebody actually fighting for you in government, so, and there isn't. So, so okay. And the only way you can have change to get people into the streets is when they lose faith in the system. And we have to get them, we have to disabuse them of the idea that okay. there is somebody fighting for them in this system, and there isn't. So, so, so I was going to ask you, what's the solution? You, you just said the solution is to get people to lose faith in the system. For a part of it and get industries to lose faith in the system. Okay, so let's just say, let's let's play that. Let's let's say that happens. Okay, let's say somehow, some way, AOC and Bernie Sanders listen to this and they have a change of heart, <laughs> and they say, Jimmy, you're right, <laughs> and they tweet out on Twitter today and they say, Jimmy's right. Mm-hmm. Okay, let's take it on the streets and let's go everywhere and let's protest against this. Fantastic. Then what? Uh. That's when we. That's how things change. That's how we got civil rights. That's what how, should change? That's though? how women got their rights. What to vote. should change? What so? Wait, so, we get money out of politics is the first thing. We got to get money out of politics, and so it's the honey. We, we I, I would recommend uh, pu- public financing of our elections, and we shorten our election season. All there's a million things you could do that way, but definitely get money out of politics. You want to have election uh, campaign finance reform, right? That's number one on your list. That'll never change. Though. That would be so. That's what I mean. Yeah, that, until we shut never. stuff down. I mean, yeah. the truckers showed. That you could bring them to your need, their needs, yep. and in Canada, yeah. yeah, yeah, and so, and you know, of course, people in the United States they listen to the corporate media. They call those people Nazis when they're actually freedom fighters, and they were right. They weren't fighting against medicine. The truckers were vaccinated at a higher rate than the general population in Canada. They were fighting against authoritarianism, and they were right. And America look at those truckers, and they call them Nazis, and they look at Nazis in Ukraine, and they call them freedom fighters. That's how messed up our corporate media is, Jimmy. So let's, but let's go Jimmy. with. That. I'll tell you one more thing. I want you to keep going, though. So keep let, giving me more. So, so I, that was a very good point, but keep going. So, so what happened in, uh, in Staten Island 
at the Amazon warehouse. Christian Smalls is a black guy who got fired, and then he decided to uh, organize a union. And he organized along class lines. So a lot of people on the left in the Democratic Party said we have to organize along class lines. They don't mean it. Because what organizing along class lines means is you're going to organize with Trumpers. You're going to organize with because you're in the same class. And that's exactly what Christian Smalls did on Staten Island. You know, you know, Staten Island is a bunch of Trump voters. And so he went and organized those people because they have a common interest and they have they have a they have a, a, a common enemy. And that is the establishment and the oligarchy. And you put down your your differences politically and you join together on a class basis. And you uh, that's how you make change. And so we need more of that. We need more people coming together unless the left and the right realize that we do have common interests, which we do. We, want to, we all want to stop the war machine. We all want to stop this authoritarianism around COVID. We all want to stop a lot of things, right? So if we could come together and realize we're being screwed because our government is 100% corrupt, then maybe we could get something done. You know, um, I had a Boogaloo Boy on my show. Now, a lot of people conflate Boogaloo Boys with Proud Boys, but they're not. Boogaloo Boys are a response to the Proud Boys. Boogaloo Boys were pro-LGBTQ. They were pro-Black Lives Matter. They're anti-war, they were anti-Trump, and they were anti-cop. So I'm like, oh my God, that's we agree on a lot of things. I didn't know that. Well, they can't. So the establishment, the Democratic Party, they did a smear campaign against me. They still do it to this day just because I interviewed a Boogaloo boy on my show. I didn't I didn't hire him. I didn't go. We just had an interview just like you're interviewing me. That doesn't mean you're, you know, you're validating what I'm saying. Mm -hmm. You're just interviewing me. Same thing. So that's how and that is the thing that scares them. If the left and the right organize on class lines, that is the thing that will really scare them. We're doing an anti-war rally on the 19th, this Sunday at the Lincoln Memorial in, in Washington, D.C., and we got people from the left, we got people from the right, we got people from the center, we got all kinds of people to oppose war. That's what gives it its power. If it was just a bunch of progressive lefties, it wouldn't have any power, but the fact that there's uh, Ron Paul's going to be there. He's going to be speaking. So that's a big deal, and Tulsi Gabbard's going to be there. And uh, You're pe- getting Ron Paul out of Houston? Yeah, he never, he never no, leaves he Texas. Leave, yeah. This is a big deal that yeah. he's going to be yeah. there. So anyway, that's we have to do more things like that. That's the only way to take back our government is to get in the streets, shut stuff down. And then, you know, in France, uh, they have eight. They have their they're going to try to raise their retirement age from 61 to 63. You know, they're raising it in the United States to 67. They they already have Medicare for all. They already have dental. They have retirement, Social Security, and they still get in the streets and shut shit down all the time. And I don't know if you've ever been to, when we're in Italy, it was like, oh, the trains aren't going to be running today. There's going to be a strike. They do it all the time. Let's bring back Mussolini. In the rest of the world, the left is connected to the working class, except in the United States. The Democratic Party is a bunch of, their their core constituency are suburban white people. They, they, they admitted it. Chuck Schumer said, they go, hey, what, when Hillary was running against Donald Trump, they were saying, hey, Donald Trump's picking up blue-collar voters. And he said, doesn't matter. For every blue-collar voter we lose, we're going to pick up two or three white-collar suburban voters, and you can repeat that in mm, Ohio wow. and Wisconsin. He said that. I have I played on my show all the time. Of course, he was wrong. He, they lost. And so they don't care about the blue-collar voters. They don't care about the workers. That's not their constituency anymore. That used anymore. to be their that MO. Used, that's why there's right. nobody representing them anymore. That's, why so, got, that's what gave Donald Trump his power, because he spoke to those people. Jimmy, who's anti-establishment today, on the left or the right? Who's anti-establishment today? Left, right, middle, libertarian. Who are some of the names? 
Ron I, Paul being one of them, who else would you see? I, I, you know, I don't have any faith in any of the politicians right now. There's a woman in Seattle, Shama Sawan. Uh, she had to fight the Democratic mayor and the Democratic city council to get a $15 minimum wage. She has to fight the Democrats to get stuff. The Democrats and the Republicans serve the same people. They have the same neoliberal corporate interests. And so I don't I, I don't know anybody in politics that I would really uh, go okay, so who, who? I used to like Ro Khan. I used to like AOC. I used to like all those Bernie Sanders, but none of them will stand up for what they claim to stand for, and they all roll over for the establishment. They all voted for war. But, but Jimmy, okay, so let's say not politics. Who outside of politics? Because you need some of the guys that are from the outside to get in the inside. So, I like people like Chris Hedges. I like well, Dennis Kucinich is out of politics, right? They, they, they so he was they gerrymandered him out, right? The Democrats are like, "F you, you're you're too much of a progressive," and they get rid of him, and then he's done. So um, I, I I don't I like people like Chris Hedges. I like people like Dennis Kucinich. I loved the way Tulsi stood up against the war machine in Syria. Uh, unfortunately, she's still for the drone program, but so what? She's better than everybody else on when it comes to Syria. And that's why they people don't realize why they hated uh, uh, Tulsi so much is because she stepped down from the being the vice chair of the Democratic National Committee to endorse Bernie Sanders. Can I ask some names? And here's what I want you to do. OK, from zero to 100, give a score. OK, mm-hmm. give a score of where they're at. 100 being full blown establishment, zero being anti-establishment. OK, fair. Mm-hmm. Ron Paul. You know, I don't know. All I know is how much I love the way he talks about. Uh, I do too. Just give a number. What do you think? Nobody's going to fact check you. It's I, your opinion. I, I would say, I don't know, 60, 70. Okay. Tulsi Gabbard. Maybe 50. I don't know. Tulsi Gabbard. Uh, I can't. This, this, I, I don't really like this. Um, <laughs> but I tell you why I'm asking this question. I'm really, I'm, I'm really curious. Well, because if you, if you don't mind, so what do you think Tulsi is? Zero to 100. Uh, you know, she's showing, I would say 50. Okay. What would you say Newsom is? Oh, 100. McConnell. 100. McCarthy. 100. Oh, McCarthy's on Matt Gates. Uh, uh, I don't know, 70? Okay, interesting. Yeah. That's why I'm asking the question, AOC. But, I mean, Matt Gates stood up against war. I he's, agree with he's, you. He's putting in an anti-war right. legislation yeah. to stop the funding of the Ukraine And by war. the way, the case against them was dropped yesterday. Of I don't course, know if you saw that course. or not. Okay, how about, uh, how about AOC? Oh, I, 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 100. Okay, Bernie. 100. Well, Bernie's actions are a hundred. Okay, uh, Trump. Uh, well, he went. You know, he's like I said. He 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 wasn't an imperialist as much as other people were. He was, but he wasn't as much. Um, he did talk about the deep state, but he didn't do anything he said he was going to do. He said he was going to bring everybody jobs. And he was going to give everybody health care, and he didn't do any of those things. But he did give people. He did give billionaires and uh, a trillion dollar tax cut, just like everybody. And so why do they hate him? They hate him because he once in a while would tell the truth that you're not allowed to tell. Like there's a deep state, a permanent state that actually runs things. There's uh, and Chuck Schumer also also said that about Donald Trump when he, when Donald Trump was telling people that the CIA and the FBI, there is a deep state and they're the ones pulling the strings on yeah. this stuff. Chuck Schumer said it's really foolish of him to yeah. do that because uh, if you go against the CIA, they got six ways to Sunday yeah. to get back at you. Now, that's the leader of the Democratic Party in the Senate saying that the president of the United States should be afraid of the CIA. Right. He said it on fucking camera and nobody and everybody was like, Trump's crazy. What? No. <laughs> Chuck Schumer just told you who runs this goddamn country yeah. and the president better watch his ass. He better not cross the CIA. That's what the leader of the Democratic Party said, who, by the 
the way, he's not a leader. He's a puppet of Wall Street. How does a guy like Chuck Schumer, who I know you wouldn't even ask directions to the fucking freeway from, I wouldn't either, these guys, how does he get to be a leader? Because he's the biggest, him and Mitch McConnell, right? They get, they get, uh, they're the biggest marks. Wall Street, military industrial complex, health insurance, big pharma. They give them all the money because they're the most corrupted. And then they take that money and they give it to their colleagues to, so they can go get reelected. And then they have to vote for them as leader, not because they're leaders, but because of the most corrupted pieces of shit in Congress. And that's why the country's like the way it is right now, because we're run 100% by corruption. Okay, so Trump's wrote 100. Like I said, I don't know. I would, 85. Okay, so go to Nikki Haley. I don't know Nikki Haley. Okay, fair I enough. Really let's, just, let's just keep going. But so I Nick, did see Don Lemon. Uh, uh, yeah. yeah, that was not good. What How about DeSantis? About? DeSantis. Uh, I, I don't, I, I, DeSantis was uh, was better on COVID than other people. So I would say 95. Okay, uh, <laughs> so you give Trump, Lord, and DeSantis. Interesting. So how about Michelle Obama? Hundred Hillary Clinton. Hundred. Okay. So so now let's 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 do something. Let's. I'm gonna I'm gonna ask you a question. Let's stay on this topic here. So if if out of everybody you said it's interesting, you identify yourself as a. You would would you say you're a progressive? Uh, oh, again, I don't want to put words in your mouth. What would you say you are yourself politically? I would say I'm politically homeless. Uh, I, but I, I, I call. I used to call myself a progressive. I don't do that anymore because Hillary Clinton started calling herself a progressive. So I can't be that. So I just call myself a, a lefty, an old style lefty. Old know? style lefty. Yeah, I'm for liberal or lefty. You're not John F. Kennedy lefty, lefty right? Wow. Well, I mean, he the CIA killed him, right? I mean, I don't know what that means. I mean, I'm an RFK lefty. I know that. Okay. Um, so yeah, I mean, I'm anti-imperialism, I'm anti-war machine, I'm pro-worker, I'm pro-Medicare for all, I'm free speech, abs I'm, you know, p people say, oh, is it, is it an absolutist? Yeah, yeah, I, that's why we have a First Amendment, and the answer to bad speech is more speech, not censorship, so, as we're learning through the Twitter file. Yeah, so, so for me, you know, you know what I think about, I think now, you about know people are going to clip this. And say, look, Jimmy Dore says DeSantis is anti-establishment. Jimmy Dore says Trump is anti-establishment. I'm not saying that. Yeah. I'm saying they are the establishment. They're still going to do it, by the way, just so you know. They're still going to clip this. Yeah, I know. So, so you know that. But but he, here, here's, a, he, here's a question for you. So you think the right person for the job is ever somebody you fully like? Uh, no. Okay. So you think the right person for the job you have to like 100% of everything they do, and you have to agree 100% with what they agree with? No. Okay. So could the person that's the right person, what are the qualities of the right person for this job? So purely not policies, but qualities. What are the right qualities of somebody that would be the right person for this job to go against the establishment? We need, qualities. We need, someone, I, I would, uh, we need someone who's actually going to stand up for what they believe in, Shama Sawant. She's the real deal. Qualities. Give me qualities. She, uh, her quality is honesty, okay. integrity. Uh, and I don't know what the word would be, but um, like her salary, uh, she will only take as much money as the average salary in her district. And she gives the rest away. That's a real deal. I don't know what you call that. But she's real, and she put she's she's where the rubber meets the road, and that's the kind of politician I look for. People who care, they they know what it's like to struggle. Can she be bought? I don't think she can be bought. Okay, so so let's let's put that down. I think I think we're getting something. So you said honest, integrity, which by the way, it's very hard for us to really measure that those qualities. You know that that takes five ten years until we really know 
if a person is honest and has integrity. But you said is not for sale. Okay, let's put that. Right. What else? Let's 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 figure out some of these qualities here. Is it fair to say that the person uh, uh, cannot be afraid of being trashed, destroyed, labeled, shit talked about? You know, backstabbed. You cannot thick fear. Skin. What do you call that? Is, do we want to put thick skin? Yeah. Is that fair? Okay. I would say 100%. thick what, skin. What else would you say for the quality of this person? Uh. Uh, courage. Courage. What else? I agree. Do they have, Every, to have their own money? Do they have to be... Does it help if they have their own money? You know, that's tough. I mean, Shama Sawan certainly doesn't. So, I know. I think integrity, no. I mean... It, you sure? Like, it, like for... Like, so, like, if someone like you ran, right? Yeah. You wouldn't need their money. Yeah. So, that would give you a certain amount of freedom. Right. Right? So, right. yeah. I mean, I understand that idea. Yeah. Uh, so, if you if you need their money, you become a puppet of them. But, but I guess we said that already. You know, instead of saying not need money, it's not for sale. Okay. You're so, you're sale. not, you know. Yeah, yeah. Right. Okay. Let's put that slash has their own money. Yeah. Whatever. Okay. What else? Because I think this is very important because for me, let me explain to what I'm doing here with you. So our staff were sitting there, we're having a conversation about who we need, the specific chief executive position that we're trying to hire for, and there's debate amongst the group, board, who's the person to hire. One group said, I think it's this person, that person, this person, and we're having a very, very big debate. I said, before we have this wasting time debating this, write out the job description and the qualities of this individual to fit the criteria, and then let's go recruit that person, right? That's what I'm doing right now. So, so far for us to have somebody that is not afraid to go up against these bullies that we know from both sides, this is what we have so far. Honesty, integrity is not for sale, has their own money, thick skin, courage. What else would you say? Do we want to add anything else to this? Compassion, right? Compassion, you want okay. somebody who's going to care That's about I agree. That's a good, a good one. one. Good call, Rob. What else would you say? I mean, this is, you know, what What else would you put on this list here? Somebody said conviction. Okay, let's I put like conviction. Conviction is, is there anything else you want to add to it? I think that's good. Let's start get, with that. Yeah, just not being okay. bought and having courage is so, a good start. So, so for me, when, when, you, when you explain this to me, I, I, uh, uh, I hate to say this, and I know people are going to lose their minds when I say this, including yourself. There's only one name I think about. Uh-oh. You know, you know the name. Who? There's only one name you put on this list here. You're going to put Trump. There's only one name. What's the name? He said it. Trump? Let me explain to you why. Yeah, by, by, by the way, let me explain to you why, though. Okay. Let me explain to you why. The challenge with everything you said, when you said, well, you know, he didn't even do it. Look at him. He said he's going to go to the CIA. And then Schumer said what? You know, you realize what they're going to do? You realize they got six. All this stuff that you said about CIA. Of course. Do you, do you think a, take a company that's been around for 20 years. Let's change it. Take a company that's been around for two years. Okay. They got 42 employees. You become a CEO. Are those people who are 42 employees, are they fully, fully loyal yet? Or it's just too start of a company. They can still too early, say, no, we need somebody that knows what they're doing. They'll flip to you immediately if you're a good CEO, right? Okay. Take a company that's 10 years and you come in. Maybe there's a little bit more loyalty. It's going to be hard to flip these guys, right? Take a company that's 40 years. You're going to have a hard time flipping. So you got to fire a lot of people, right? Take a company that's 100 years. Take a company that's been around since 1776. Let's just call this company USA, okay? And you come in and you want to really, the way these guys have been country club politicians, and you want to break that apart, Are you, you don't have one enemy. That's right. You don't have two enemies. You don't have 100 enemies. You have hundreds, if not thousands, of enemies 
who will not let you ruin what they've been able to convince the American people of doing. To be able to pull that off, it takes a very unique individual who is not going to be liked by a lot of people, who is accustomed to not being liked, who is accustomed to having thick skin, who's accustomed to negotiating with dirty people, politicians, business people. He's well dealt with everybody who's accustomed for that. I'm not telling you he's the guy. But if you're saying you want somebody to go up against the establishment, I ask you names. You couldn't come up with names. The lowest score you gave out of all the presidential candidates was only Trump. That's the lowest score you give. Out of all the names, and outside of Tulsi Gabbard, because you gave Tulsi like a 50 is what you gave. You gave Ron like a 50, I think, but Ron is not going to run. Tulsi could run. This is not a regular person's job is all I'm saying. It's not a regular person's job. To be this person, like the other day, you know, AOC posted a picture. I don't know if you saw this or not. She posted a picture of, uh, uh, of uh, what do you call it, herself with Lula, okay, from Brazil. Mm. You mentioned Brazil. That's why I'm bringing up Lula. Mm-hmm. And if you see this picture, go all the way down, keep going down, keep going down. She tweets a lot, so it's kind of tough to catch up. You're probably not going to get to the picture, but it's a picture of her and Lula. Okay. And she says something about it's so great to have a leader like this who's brave and courageous, et cetera, et cetera. And then two posts later, you know what she posts? She posts a picture with Elon Musk and Rupert Murdoch yeah. at Super Bowl. And then she says what? Birds like... Birds of a feather flock together. Right? And then you're like, wait a minute. If that's the yeah. case, yeah, what are you doing? two posts ago, yeah. you are Lula, and Lula came to U.S. I retweeted Biden's mm-hmm. picture, and I said, is Lula in America to get another car wash? Yeah. If you know the car wash, <laughs> yeah. what he did was stealing. Lava jato. Yeah, all that stuff. So, yeah. so the point, all I'm saying, this, this, then, this person, Jimmy, you're probably not going to like the person to go up against the establishment. You're probably not going to like him. I wish, what do you think? I would, I, I would, I would like Joe Rogan to run. Would, he ain't gonna do it. I know he won't do it. But he won't I, do it. I, you know, I think he. I think the world, a lot of people would want to have a guy like that run. Mm-hmm. I don't know. And, I don't know if he's. So I think it. he has all those qualities. I don't oh, yeah. disagree. And, and, I don't disagree. And didn't, and didn't come from the establishment because you know he wasn't a politician. But right. Jimmy, I wanted to ask you when we were talking about it, and I think one of his biggest mistakes for Trump was coming in and right off the rip going, "I'm going to drain this swamp." And we've said this before in the podcast, Jimmy. When you drain a swamp, if you think about, it, you take all the water and shit out. You think alligators and snakes are going to go? <laughs> hey, we're going to go to another. They're going to go crazy. So, so here's my thing. And it was funny we were talking about Carlin. I was listening to George Carlin on the way here, and it was like towards the end when he's like with the government and stuff. And he goes, "It's a big club." You ain't in. That's right. None mm-hmm. of us are in it. So my thing is, that breaking point, Jimmy, that we're talking about, that, that moment where we're in the streets, and I'm just like you. I, I, I've i sacrificed some of my career because I finally started talking about it, and it really bothers me that you know we're stuck in this, in this rut. And I always say for people to get into the streets, but do you think that this deep state and all this, this system is so set up against us, even if we have that moment, Jimmy, where we're there, where we're ready to go? They own all the all the they own all the government. They own mm-hmm. everything. We kind of can't really, if we went the streets, Pat. It was an actual revolution. The national guards getting deployed. Everybody, all the cops. Everybody's gonna turn on us because that you know they they run the show. The government runs all them. How loud? How loud do you think that we can actually get? And what would be the breaking point for everybody to go? Okay, we're. We're done. Do you think there even is a breaking point? Well, that's what I keep asking that question. Like, what's happening right now in Palestine, Ohio? I'm like, when when are people, <laughs> when are they going to stop th- just taking it? I don't understand what happened. So it has to come from the grassroots. It has to, I think it has to come from a worker-led 
kind of a thing and, you know, more of a Christian Smalls kind of a reaching out, econ- you know, an economic alliance of the of the classes, working class, I mean. So it is a class war that's happening. And so, and they won. It's all over. Uh, yeah. and, and they control the, they can, I mean, it's just so obvious that our, our government is completely controlled, which is why they can't give you health care while they, they can't bring clean water to Flint, Michigan. You know, they have billions of dollars in the Ukraine aid so they could get clean water in Ukraine. <laughs> they won't do that yeah. for the United States. I have a question for you, Jimmy. Yeah. This is going to be kind of a crazy question, but just go with me. Okay. Right. So we're, we're railing on the establishment right now. The establishment, the establishment, the establishment. So the argument these days is should we just tear it all down and start anew or fix sort of the problems? Here's my question. So when I think of establishment, I think of, well, the Supreme Court. I think of Congress. I think of... Uh, the military. I think of the office of the presidency. I think of NATO. I think of all the different alphabets, CIA, FBI, throw everything you want in there, right? Every single department of this, education, agriculture. Isn't that what kind of made America what it is today? These establishments. Now there's bad actors within the establishments that we need to get the fuck out of there. Term limits, bad actors, lobbyists that are operating within the shadows of the government that they need to get the hell out of there. Crazy question, but aren't these establishments established for a reason and we just need to have better people in there and hold them accountable, but also well, maintain ha- the establishments? Well, you have to have institutions. I'm not saying... That's what I mean. Yeah. Institutions. Correct. You have to have institutions, but look at a guy like Fauci, right? So a guy there, he's there mm-hmm. 43 years. Why but do you these think- are bad actors, bad people. Yeah. Right. So this system that but we have... But it's not the system but, of the NIH that's bad, right? But, right. That The idea to have an FDA or a CDC right. or NIAID, these are good things. You need to have these things, but the way they're funded is completely ridiculous, right? Now, the... The big pharma funds 70% of the FDA, so they're mm-hmm. completely capped. So we have corporate capture of our regulatory agencies, and so that's what I'm talking about. We need to, first of all, start getting money out of politics so we can yeah. get our, our institutions back, our, back to serving the people so instead of serving pre- – I agree with you. We want to – to maintain these yeah. establishments yeah, you gotta have- and these institutions, but with the right people. So to- everything you want to throw with the big in there, right? You want to throw big pharma uh, – uh, the military-industrial complex, right? Uh, uh, big oil, big tech, all these big stuff that have sort of corporatism has come within these establishments and reached around and grabbed their tentacles all about them. We just want to get them out. So I think that the reason that I'm asking this question is because we do want to maintain these establishments. We do want to maintain what has made America great, for a lack of a better term, but get the nonsense out of it. So I think it's like a very nuanced discussion and argument, not fuck the establishment, we kind of need the establishment you to know, maintain America. So why was it the, like, for instance, a lot of people would say, "Hey, why don't we nationalize the you know the oil industry, right? Because that's our oil. It's the it's the country's oil. It's not Exxon's oil." Why? And then whenever a country tries to do that, the United States tries to coup that government, right? So yeah, we I I wouldn't inspect even with the vaccine. Like other people have made the point, like why wasn't that nationalized? Why were they allowed to make a hundred billion dollars off of COVID? Mm-hmm. One company, which people have no idea how much money that is. You know the the recording industry in the United States. Every piece of music that's recorded and released generates twelve billion dollars a year. A hundred billion dollars went to one company yeah. <laughs> for COVID. I mean that's the kind, and that a hundred yeah. billion dollars is enough to buy everybody in the media and buy everybody in government, and that's 
we're living in a corrupted place, which is why people think ivermectin was horse pace instead of what it actually is, uh, a miracle drug that has saved billions of lives, and it's safer than aspirin. So they wanted to make you think it was scary. I mean, that's because, and it all started with Bill Clinton in 1996 when he did the Telecommunications Act, and people don't realize that we used to have 50 giant media companies in America, and then Bill Clinton passed the Telecommunications Act, which took us down to six, which is why journalism sucks so hard in America, because they all work for the same people. They were, right, they were competing for the licenses. It was insane. By the way, that's a very big point he just made right there about the whole, we, had, we went from 50 to a handful, uh, and that hurt a lot of uh, people because you didn't have more voices. And, and it, until this format came out where a yeah. guy like him or yeah. Rogan or you, us, or we can go out there and talk and say what we're saying, we're like, wait a minute, what, what are these guys? Who are these guys? That kind of makes sense. Let me Google yeah. this. Let me and research they, this. But then you see the narrative is we're, we're alt-right, we're mental, we're radical. I don't know if they say that about you, but they say that about me, yeah. that I'm an alt-right all conspiracy theorist because I was right about Russiagate, I was right about Syria, I'm right about COVID. And so that's what they, so they have narrative control. Yeah. And if you look at the journalists, and the, Twitter is the perfect example. When the Twitter files came out and Matt Taibbi was exposing stuff like that, and uh, they were all shitting on him as if he's some kind of an idiot mm -hmm. for doing, breaking a story about corruption of social media and the government. And so you see there the narrative control. That's what journalism is. That's what cor corporate journalists are there for, to control the narrative. And if they don't control the narrative, they have to start disappearing people. And that's a lot harder. Yeah. yeah, very important part about the narrative. Like, for instance, you just called yourself a lefty, your words, mm -hmm. and now you're quote-unquote alt-right. That they call so me that. which one are you, Jimmy? I'm lefty. But they, this is the problem. They, they is, try to discredit me by calling me alt-right. This is the problem, and I just kind of revisit what you were talking about earlier with Putin, for example. This is the problem with just dismissing and throwing a label on somebody. So it's so easy to be like, Putin's crazy. Yeah. Yes. Or, uh, or Zelensky's a hero. That's right. And that's it. And, and most people, what I often say are most people are most people. Uh -huh. We talk about like most people are living paycheck to paycheck, trying to get by, raise their family, raise their kids, fucking just day to day, work to work. You want me to get into a nuanced discussion about the Donbass region right. of whether the military <laughs> industrial complex is making money on Putin and the NATO alliance? It's like, let me just try to get paid in later. Okay, yeah. Right, buddy? So that, that it's just easy to just label Putin's crazy. Zelensky's the hero. He's going to be the man of the year. All right, cool. Jimmy's all right. Let's keep it moving. Bye. But it's not so simple like that, that's is your point. That's correct. And, and going back to what you're saying, though, when you said, you know, aren't some of these, you know, uh, FDA, aren't, aren't some of these, uh, you know, institute not institutions, aren't some of these establishment yeah. departments, whatever you want to call them, necessary? Okay. So in a company, when a person comes in, you see how many dumb departments there is that you're funding. You, you, you go through, when you hire a CFO to come in and you do uh, uh, hire forensics uh, auditing for your own mm -hmm. company that you're taking over, you're about to buy. So you're about to buy a company that's got a lot of issues. You come in, you're going to spend a lot of money auditing that business. So when we were being bought, there was people auditing every single thing on or, or what statement, expenses, credit card, what's this, what's that, why are you spending this money, your OPEX, your hiring, how, how the, everything is being audited, right? And then you're like, dude, this is a waste. That's a waste. We can help you with this. So then the buyer is sitting there saying, that's $600,000 a year you uh, you uh, putting here. That it will be a waste because we'll take it. Don't worry about it. We're going to save that money. So that's an additional $600,000 in EBITDA. That million dollars you're spending here, that $2 million you're spending here, we can save money in those following areas, right? So when a person comes in, this whole thing with transportation uh, czar, which is who? 
this wonderful guy, this, oh, this amazing guy, Pete czar, Buttigieg. Like he threw his arm. Do, do you know? Do you know what we're starting to realize with everything that happened? Has he gone to any of the spots? By the way, has he know, gone to no, has he gone to Palestine? Has no, he gone to Michigan? Has no, he gone to Detroit? No. Has he gone to any of these places? No. Okay, FYI, the same guy that you didn't like. Let me ask you a question. If this guy was president, <laughs> the guy you don't like, honestly, Jimmy, yeah. honesty, if this guy was president today, you're a, you're a straight-up guy. How long before he goes to Palestine? You mean Trump? Yes. How long before he goes to Michigan? How long before he goes to the well, border? Well, he was president, and he didn't fix the water in, in Flint, Michigan. You're, you're expecting him to do it in what? In, in four years. In four years while he's getting trashed with Russia? No, I mean— While I'm, he's got a hundred other issues he's dealing with? Because here's—again, here's, this is what it goes back to. The challenge with you wanting the candidate— your, uh, uh, your, uh, and by the way, if we think we've seen dirt and smear campaigns on him, we're about to see more. a whole different, and yeah. we're going to see it on DeSantis. How and much we're more see are they going to find on I'm, Trump? I mean, they, they well, they're going to do it. They, they're going to do a lot of that stuff. Except, except for him, he is now got the lead on smear campaigns on all of them, of with course. every Twitter files, everything that's coming out. And now that Elon Musk owns Twitter, it's a different game today than yeah. it was in 2020 than today.